0: I remember walking, I think it was in middle school, and I stepped on a pencil and like slipped on it and almost fell. I picked it up and it was this all black pencil that I'd never seen before and it had two little hearts stamped on it and it said Murado Black Warrior on it. And I was used to all these number two yellow pencils that are boring and this all black pencil called the Murado Black Warrior almost made me fall. And I was like, this is the coolest pencil I've ever seen.
1: It almost Um, killed me and I love it.
0: (laughs) Yeah, and I fell in love with it.
1: That's Alex Poyer, brand manager at Blackwing Pencils. He just described how he was fated to have a career creating and marketing analog products. Welcome to Uncooked, a podcast made exclusively for marketers to get the raw, unfiltered views from industry experts and the actual humans we aim to engage. I'm your host, Jacqueline Lieberman, and today on Uncooked is a spotlight on one of my absolute favorite brands, a company called Blackwing. They make thoughtfully designed pencils, notebooks, and other writing tools with the goal of helping us just slow down a little bit and find some balance in our fast paced digital lives. My guest, Alex, describes his role as building an analog empire as the brand manager of Blackwing. So let's dive in. Welcome, Alex. I'm so happy to have you.
0: Yeah, I'm stoked to be here.
1: That's awesome. Why don't you just give a little bit of background about yourself, really kind of before you took the gig at Blackwing?
0: Well, I guess I should start by saying I had no brand experience prior to Blackwing or marketing experience or anything like that. I studied literature in college and I was a writer coming out of college. I was a freelance writer and I was writing content for all different kinds of websites and pencils.com it was included in those sites. And I always found that I was attracted to stationery and to pencils and notebooks and pens and things like that. So it was really easy for me. And then when a the Blackwing pencil was brought back, I was hired to handle the social media and content creation for the brand. And it's kind of gone from there.
1: Well, all right. We'll get into your love for stationery in a little bit. I need to dig into that. So let's kick off by exploring a couple of different aspects of the Blackwing brand that are probably unknown to the rest of the world. So for those unfamiliar, tell everyone what Blackwing is and who you are as a company.
0: So Blackwing is a name that's been around for a very long time, since the 1930s, actually. It was a pencil that was made by a company called Eberhard Faber Pencil Company. they were based out of Brooklyn. And it was this very unique looking pencil. You know, pencils were ubiquitous at the time. Everybody used a pencil. And so pencils needed to stand out. They needed to be different. And this particular pencil had this gorgeous gunmetal finish and a flat rectangular eraser that you could actually remove and replace. And so this pencil kind of became the pencil for the who's who of the world over the century Chuck Jones, who created Bugs Bunny and the Looney Tunes, he used Blackwing pencils. And John Steinbeck wrote his rough drafts with Blackwing pencils. And it kind of built this cult following over the years of people who not only were were these kind of iconic creators who created with Blackwing, but people who wanted to be close to those people and wanted to channel some of their creative spirit, I guess. So it built this really, really strong following. And Over the years, the world changed, globalization happened, pencil companies were bought and sold, and Blackwing ended up being owned by Newell Rubbermaid, which is a very large company that didn't really have a place for a niche pencil brand that wasn't moving a lot of units. And so they discontinued it.
1: So sad.
0: Yeah, this was in the 1990s that this happened. And it had this cult following, it had these people who, who were really obsessed with this pencil as a part of their process. And anytime anything goes out of production, that only gets magnified. And so people were buying all the unused black wings they could find. they were spending up to $40 for one single pencil oh my God. on eBay, which sounds kind of wild. But if, if you look <laughs> on eBay right now, there's still vintage pencils going for a ton of money. And then in 2010 is when we stepped in. So our company is California Cedar Products Company. We have been in business for over 100 years, primarily as a wood supply company. So we've supplied wood to the pencil industry. And our CEO, Charles Berelsheimer, decided that he wanted to make his own pencils. And so he came out with a line of pencils called the Palomino Pencils. And they were just, based on his relationships and experience, they were the best pencils that he could make.
1: Now, let's stop there for a second. Charles, why did Charles decide to make his own pencils? So what did Charles do for a living at that stage where he was like, you know what? I think I just need some pencils and I'm going to make my own.
0: (laughs) Yeah. I mean, he was the CEO of the company. So he has all of these relationships with, obviously, he's the wood maker. He's got all these relationships with graphite makers and finishers and woodworkers, you know, all the different various stages in the pencil production cycle. And he knew that if he combined all of these resources, he could make the best pencil imaginable right like he wanted to make the perfect pencil yeah and so he did he combined all these resources he made what he thought was the perfect pencil and this is actually before 2010 this is in the mid-2000s that this happened that was a palomino it was was a graphite drawing pencil
1: i'm holding my palomino up right now so for people who are just listening just know it's the coolest
0: pencil ever created so that was mid-2000s and people started getting their hands on them using them and the pencilverse, the the blog sphere of of pencil people, they got their hands on them and they said, Wow, this is a, you know, this is a great pencil. It's the closest thing that we found to a Blackwing since those went out of production in terms of quality and performance. And with that, Charles decided to bring back the Blackwing. And so in, in 2010, you know, the, the brand had been dumped on the scrap heap. It was abandoned. The trademark had lapsed. We secured the trademark. We figured out how to make that really cool flat eraser, and we brought it back.
1: How would you describe them? Because often as marketers, you know, we talk about what's the product's functional and emotional benefits. So what would the functional benefits be for Blackwing?
0: Well, it all starts with the wood that we use. We use incense cedar wood in our pencils. They're from forests of California, Northern California, and a little bit of Southern Oregon. That's the only place in the world that these trees grow. They're extremely sustainable and extremely well managed, so it makes everybody feel good that these trees are going to be around forever. But the benefits from a practical standpoint and a functional standpoint are that it's a soft wood, but it's also one that doesn't splinter, so that allows for even sharpening when you're using a pencil. And when we're making a pencil, it allows for very smooth, precise shaping. One of the biggest problems with pencils, or all of the biggest problems from pencils, stem from the wood. So if you've ever sharpened a pencil and the graphite kept breaking over and over and over again, that was probably because the wood wasn't machined properly and the graphite was crooked and it kept snapping in your sharpener. So it starts with the wood. The second most important component to a pencil is the graphite. And we specially formulate our graphite, the mixture of graphite, wax, and clay, The clay adds stability, the wax adds smoothness, and the graphite is the pigment. And so when you combine the wood and the graphite together functionally, you just get a really enjoyable experience that people have described as feeling like butter.
1: Okay, I wanted to jump in here for a second because this part is here not because I wanted to give you a how-to on making pencils for yourself, but I wanted you to hear the extreme attention to detail about the product. The cedar wood he talks about, sustainably sourced from California, that's soft and never splinters. The specially formulated graphite, all wrapped up in a unique design that's like an absolute pleasure to use. So this is why it never matters what we're marketing, because if we find that the product has been created with deep care and attention, then people will give us their attention willingly. How do you describe analog, and why do you think it's still important?
0: You know, you know it when you use it, right? But it's kind of hard to quantify. I know there's some kind of strict definitions of what constitutes an analog.
1: Why do you think analog is even important in the digital age that we live in?
0: Well, it's hugely important to me personally, and I think this is what we've tried to communicate through the brand. Because of the saturation of our digital lives, we all have phones, we all have computers, we are inundated with screens. And so finding some balance between our screen lives and our lives in the tangible real world where you put a pencil on a piece of paper and you write something and that data is recorded through the transference of graphite onto a page I mean, there's something human in that that I think is lost when you're tapping on a screen, registering the electricity in your fingertips against a glass screen. So I think that balance and that mindfulness is only going to be, it's only going to get more important as the technology accelerates, right? Technology is going to keep accelerating. And with it, I think there's going to be a growing movement of people who want to take a step back from it and not reject it, mm. this isn't about rejecting it, it's about finding a balance between your digital life and your analog life. There's something, as I mentioned, human about it, but it makes you feel something, it makes you feel a certain way, and I think that's a good thing. I think there's, there's a sterileness to a keyboard that you don't have when you're sharpening a pencil.
1: I completely agree. When you're sharpening a pencil, there's like that fresh wood smell. There's like something really tactile about the whole thing, and I love it. Alex, as you know from our initial conversation, the way that I talk about brands is that every brand has a raw truth, meaning that raw truth is the fundamental and distinctive characteristic of a brand. And typically, that's unchangeable by marketing or business objectives. And it never really matters whether we're talking about pencils or baby food or fintech. Every brand has a foundational DNA. So what is in Blackwing's DNA that you would consider to be distinctive and unchangeable?
0: I like to say that we're in the business of slowing down. That's what we're here for. We're here to help people slow down. It's easy to draw that conclusion from the products that we sell. We sell pencils and we sell notebooks and we sell accessories that, as I mentioned, are meant to balance out our digital lives. But it extends to the types of causes we support. We have a foundation called the Blackwing Foundation that supports music and arts education in schools. And I think schools are one of the biggest victims of the acceleration of our society, the infatuation with numbers and the infatuation with data which is all important, but it's not the only thing. And so slowing down that system and realizing that there are benefits to music and arts education that maybe you can't register on a test or you can't see in a data point, but are long-tail benefits that benefit a child throughout their life. That's another way that we're trying to help people slow down. So... So I'd say slowing down is the one thing that's really at the heart of us.
1: Yeah, that is just so dead on and needed, I think, right now in a lot of ways. Talking about music and education, has the foundation been around since the start of Blackwing, or was that something
0: that you came into a few years in? I think the foundation started in 2012, so it was a couple of years in, and that was started by Charles also and his wife, Ginger. We donate a portion of every product sold, it's not just pencils. And we've supported music programs primarily because that, those have been the, the ones impacted the hardest, but we've also piloted some arts and creative writing programs as well. It's been a lot of fun watching that grow, that part of it grow. We've been working with national groups, including Little Kids Rock is one of our main partners. Little Kids Rock is an organization that uses music to transform children's lives, to put them in touch with their creative sides, and to make a lifelong positive impact that will go with them anywhere and everywhere they go. They're a group that teaches the Modern Band Program, which is not thinking of band as brass and woodwinds and stringed instruments, which which all have their place, but it's, it's sometimes hard to get kids excited about that. It's more thinking about band as a drum, a guitar, and a bass, and a vocalist. And teaching kids you know how to play songs that they hear on the radio and so they're a national group that we've helped expand to our local area but we support them nationally as well
1: let's talk about your target audience you referred to them at the beginning as that there's pencil people so who knew that that was even a thing that there's pencil people out in this world but who buys Blackwing products and you know if you vanished tomorrow who would care
0: I would hope a lot of people and certainly the pencil people would definitely <laughs> care. They know about us because they're pencil people. But I think the person who buys Blackwing goes quite a bit beyond that. It goes to kind of this you know it's an overused word but a lifestyle of people who who see the value in slowing down and see the value in finding balance in their lives. That's really the customer that we're selling to. We're selling to the person who it doesn't matter if last time they picked up a pencil was in second grade. They see it, they see the black wing, and they use it, and they feel something. Whether it's you know channeling Steinbeck's ghost, or whether it's just the nice feeling of actually putting something into the world right, with a pencil. That's the person that we're trying to sell to. We're trying to sell to somebody who, it's more about mindset, I think, mm. than, than necessarily interests.
1: If you're thinking about maybe targeting a 20 something year old who grew up in a digital world, how do you get them to think about and use pencils? Like, how does that even come into their consciousness, do you think?
0: I think 20 something year olds are probably the people most impacted by the acceleration and and digitization of our lives, you know, the same way that vinyl records are hugely popular with millennials and 20 somethings Mm -hmm. same way film cameras are people like to own things they like to own things and when and when the world is digitized it's it's hard to feel like you own anything or that anything is yours right or that you've made anything i keep coming back to this idea of humanity and humanness that is lost when everything's digitized but you know everyone has their own whether it's film style or taste in music that they want to show off via a collection on their shelf or their handwriting or their drawing quirks that come through when you write with a pencil. So I think 20-somethings are already tuned into this. It's something that is already important to a lot of them. And so we're just opening the door and saying, hey, we're here.
1: Tell me about, you know, how do you plan? How do people find out about Blackwing if they say don't know about them already?
0: Historically, we haven't done a lot of advertising. That's the first part. And right alongside that, we've never paid anybody to use our products. And we never will. We never will pay anybody to use our products. The way that we have built our fan base and really grown our exposure is by word of mouth. And it's by putting... A great product in the hands of people who we know are going to appreciate it. So we've done a lot of influencer marketing, but it's never been the influencer marketing where you say, here, I'm going to give you $1,000 and you're going to post something about (laughs) my product on Instagram. It's always been identifying people who we know fit with the culture that we're building and would vibe really well with the brand and sending them products and not expecting anything in return. And if we get something out of it, that's great. Otherwise, we just have someone really cool who has our products out there. So in terms of like actual marketing things that we've done outside of the influencer approach, you know, we've hosted events, we throw parties. We had one actually really early on, uh, 2012, just two years into the revival. Uh, we had one in New York City where we invited a bunch of artists and writers and influencers and just through a party for the pencil and had 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 people come and have a good time you know we had games we had pictionary we had word games and all sorts of fun stuff and then we did the same thing the next year in Los Angeles and that. those those really helped to build our influencer base.
1: Do you consider influencers exactly?
0: They're thought leaders for us.
1: I like that it's, word better. Influencers is yeah. a horrible word.
0: Yeah, there's there's a yeah, like there's Kardashian a place. Yeah, there's a stink with influencers that. Yeah. And it's it goes back to what we we're what I was talking about before, right? Where an influencer is a number thing, mm-hmm. right? It's all about follower count and and right. you know and dollars. And a thought leader is more real. <laughs> they have a more real influence in the world. So yeah, I'm talking more about thought leaders, people who are respected in their fields and who have authentic followings.
1: Are they typically in the creative space or kind of runs the gamut?
0: It runs the gamut. The creative space is certainly important to us. Writing, drawing, music, those are all areas where we work with people. But also in, I would still consider it a creative space, but a little bit non-traditional, which would be like business, you know?
1: Like me. Yeah. Run of the mill strategists obsessed with pencils.
0: Yeah. For us, marketing is all about storytelling. Like, that's really the heart of it. And I know that sounds kind of contrived, and everybody's a storyteller now, but our brand is built on that story that I told of John Steinbeck and Chuck Jones and the $40 pencil, right? That's the heart and soul of the brand that we built. and, And our core team were all writers, first and foremost, we're writers. So really, we just look for new ways to tell stories and new stories to tell. And that's what we did with the Volumes program. In 2015, we were thinking, this $40 pencil story is getting a little old. People are tired of hearing about it. What other stories can we tell? So we started a program that we called Volumes, where every quarter we come out with a new limited edition pencil design. And that design tells a story of some kind. And those stories are tied to this analog, unplugged culture that we're advocating. So now we're five years in, we're 20 plus designs deep. We have 4,000 subscribers that subscribe for a year at a time and get four different pencils delivered to their door. And it's been a lot of fun. It's let us not only flex our creative muscles when we're designing pencils and coming up with new ways to design pencils and things like that, but it's let us do what we love doing, which is tell stories about people, places, and things that we think our fans are going to find interesting. And it's been awesome. I've got to meet some incredible people through this process. Um, like the most surreal experience of my life was we got an email from a Gail Steinbeck. This was early in the program. This was year one. And she said, my husband, Tom, loves your pencils. He loves what you guys are doing. And he'd love to talk to you about doing a pencil for his dad, John. Right. His dad, John. That would
1: be John Steinbeck.
0: Yeah. And so he's unfortunately no longer with us, but he lived down in Santa Barbara. And I remember driving down to Santa Barbara, going to his house, sitting on his couch and anxiously awaiting to meet this guy and him coming down the stairs and having to triple take because he was the spitting image of his dad. It looked like John Steinbeck walking down the stairs. Oh my gosh. And, you know, we sat there in his living room and spoke for the whole afternoon and at some point i noticed a guitar on the floor and i was like oh whose guitar is that and he said oh that's my grandnephew's guitar and i said okay cool a couple hours go by and in comes the nephew I get introduced to him his name's johnny irion he's this really cool guy i chat with him he says oh hey i want to introduce you to my wife she comes in the door after him this is sarah lee guthrie this is woody guthrie's granddaughter
1: Okay, I wanted to pause here for a second because I didn't know who the heck Woody Guthrie was. I found out, though, he was an American singer-songwriter with a well-known little ditty, This Land is Your Land, which I'd play for you right now, but I believe it or not, there's copyright issues. Anyway, Woody Guthrie is considered to be one of the most significant figures in American Western folk music because the song, This Land is Your Land, which I'm tempted to sing for you right now, but I'm not going to, At its most basic level, that song was about inclusion and equality all the way back in 1944. So, to recap, basically, Woody Guthrie's granddaughter just walked into the same room as the son of famous author John Steinbeck. And basically, Alex is losing his mind being a writer.
0: And let's resume. So I'm sitting in a room with John Steinbeck's son and Woody Guthrie's granddaughter talking about pencils. And I, I never thought that this would take me there.
1: Oh, my goodness. I could see that you're sitting there in their living room saying, can someone please pinch me?
0: Yeah, I'm an English major who, you know, <laughs> I specialized in American literature. I'm sitting here looking at the first editions of The Grapes of Wrath on the shelf. Oh, my gosh. Losing my mind.
1: <laughs> Sweeping across the country comes one of the great literary achievements of our time, a human-revealing, soul-stirring story that instantly becomes the most discussed novel of modern literature, The Grapes of Wrath. Let's talk about what kind of partnerships do you seek out that you would say are aligned with the Blackwing DNA?
0: We often don't seek partnerships. They seek us. That's uh, There are people that we do... It's been a mutual thing. We just did something with Third Man Records out in Detroit. That was a mutual thing. or we're, we're both fans of each other. But really we've spent the past 10 years yeah it's 10 years now building a brand that's authentic and that people wanted to be a part of we just launched our collaboration program last year we've only done a handful and that was because we wanted to build ourselves you know it's like talking about somebody in a relationship you know you need to know yourself before you can mm-hmm. you need to love yourself before you can love anybody else i think it's the same and Branding and business, you need to know who your brand is before you can even think about working with anybody else completely um, we've got a story that for better or for worse, we like to tell or Graceland reached out to us early on and wanted to do a collaboration and wanted to make pencils for like
1: graceland um, elvis Graceland yeah yeah
0: okay. yeah, they wanted to, and it was really early on, maybe two years in, and we told him no he said we're not going to do it it would it would have been huge for us at the time would have been. The biggest deal we'd ever done, but we didn't know who we were yet. And so we didn't do it.
1: Okay. I was just um, going to say, I was like, wait, why? Graceland, Elvis, music, creator. Yeah. Okay.
0: Yeah. But we hadn't built our foundation yet. Mm-hmm. And we had to define ourselves before we could let somebody else define us.
1: Well, maybe we'll just have to send this episode to somebody at Graceland and maybe we'll <laughs> get that going again. Let's talk about social media And what are the types of things that you post that works for your audience? So I'm sure there are probably some trial and error over the years, but what do you find that really works?
0: Our pencils. People love to look at our pencils. Like the Uh,
1: actual literal picture. The
0: actual (laughs) literal pencil. Right. It's so strange to me because the top performing things that we post are pencils Mm -hmm. and then the things that people make with our pencils. but. We have the benefit of having a beautiful product. You know, not everybody has that. Our product is made for Instagram. People just like to look at it. And so that's our number one. I mean, it's head and shoulders. Top 50 posts of all time. They're all pencils. They're all just shots of our pencils. You know, we recently hired our first full-time marketing person.
1: Excellent. Congrats. uh,
0: Yeah, he's super sharp and he's a really great dude. Andrew, if you're listening, hey. So now we're starting to branch out a little bit and do some fun things about the people that are behind those pencils. Marketing is always a hard question for me because I don't think of myself as a marketer, you know, and I don't <laughs> yeah. think of what we do as marketing. Yeah. I just try to make cool stuff and tell cool stories and, and the people that come to me, you know?
1: I know. I mean, and, and just think about what an enviable position that is. Because there's I know, I can't even
0: imagine it. <laughs> I can't even imagine anything else.
1: All right, Alex, write the headline five years from now in a glowing feature story about Blackwing.
0: That's such a good question. For me, it's always about the people who use the product. That's who I want to be our headline. I think the headline would be Blackwing builds on its creative legacy and inspires a new generation of iconic creators, right? I know there are people out there right now using our products to create something great. It's really just about extending that creative legacy. That's what the headline would be. If we're not inspiring people with those stories, then we're failing. If we start making products that don't tell stories, that's a failure in my eyes.
1: Alex, thank you for being my guest. Everybody, this is Alex Poyer. You have to check out Blackwing. They really are the best. Thanks again, Alex. I really enjoyed speaking with Alex because I ended up finding out that their approach to marketing is to actually not market at all. The main insight that bubbled up for me was around good old fashioned product efficacy because the key to creating fans for life is in having this obsessive focus on making the best quality product or delivering the best quality service and really truly caring about every little detail that goes into the delivery of just that. If you could build a cult following around pencils, don't you think that sky's the limit regardless of your industry? I do. The other insight from this conversation was realizing that talk is cheap unless it's word of mouth from a brand evangelist. If your brand is truly great, people are happy to talk about it on your behalf. The pandemic recently exposed the vulnerability of paid influencers when they had absolutely nowhere to be and absolutely nothing to talk about. So leveraging your true fans is the way to go. And then this got me thinking to brand fans internally. So hiring to surround yourself with people passionate about the brand's purpose because their enthusiasm creates a ripple effect inside and outside of the office. It's classic branding from the inside out, but when it's real, it actually works. This has been an episode of Uncooked. I'm Jacqueline Lieberman, founder and chief strategist at Brand Crudo, a marketing consultancy. You can learn more about what we do at brandcrudo.com. I want to thank Alex Poyer for spending some time with me today and talking about Blackwing. Thank you so much and see you next time. If you like what you heard, please subscribe from your favorite podcast player. And don't forget to rate or leave a review. A quick 60 seconds is all it takes and your feedback would mean the world to me. Thanks so much for listening.